Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving and happy new year once again. I hope everybody had an incredible Christmas and you're stepping into the new year pumped up. Um, I believe that God has given me a word for 2022, um, and that word is the word greater. Everybody say greater. I believe that it's going to be a year of greater marriages, greater children, greater business opportunities, greater anointing, greater miracles, greater healing. Anybody want to get in agreement with me that it's going to be a year of greater in 2022? That's, that's what I, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, and I'm going to kick off a series entitled Greater next week because I believe that our world um, about two years ago drastically changed. Um, it drastically changed, and I don't want to go into all the details on how it changed, but the result of those, those changes, I believe that the ploy of the enemy has been to make the people of God to get us to a place where we stop dreaming, stop believing, Stop expecting God to do great things. And many, even within the body of Christ, have entered into survival mode. And God never called us to survive. Jesus did not say, hold the fort down until I come back. He said, occupy until I return. In other words, we ought to be bringing heaven into the earth while we wait on Jesus to come. Not just hold up somewhere waiting on his return so we can escape out of here. We know that he's coming back, but until then, we need to be bringing a little bit of heaven into our earth. Come on, somebody. We got to come out of survival mode. Some of you just need to start living again. You've stopped living. The last two years, they've stopped living. We've allowed the fear of, of so much in our world that we are no longer living, but I believe that 2022 is going to be a year of greater. We'll kick that off next week. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of place, the power of place. There is power in a place. There is power in a place. You would be amazed at what can happen in you and for you and to you when you get in the right place. Proverbs chapter 27 and 8 is going to be my key text for today's message. It's going to be a little weird. You're probably like, how is he going to preach on that? But it'll make sense. It says, like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Now, I have to reverse engineer this message a little bit, but by the time I get to the end, I believe that you will understand that there is power in a place. Now, I got to walk this out, so let, let me start here. We are who we are because, at some level, because of our DNA. How many of we get some things from genetics that make us who we are, um, that things are passed down through? bloodlines, and it has something to do with 
who we are. It has something to do with the pigmentation of our skin and the eye color that we possess. And we know that, that many doctors will tell us that some of the, the, the things that we have resistance to, to diseases, or maybe we're more susceptible to as it relates to diseases, is about the bloodline, that things flow through bloodlines. Natural things, though, are not the only thing that, th- that flows through bloodlines. I believe that faith moves through a bloodline. Paul told Timothy, he said, the faith I see in you, I recognize it because I saw it in your mother. The faith I see in you, I recognize it because I saw it in your grandmother. Now, I know we pass down natural things, and some families have uh, certain um, proclivities that they pass down, whether that be uh, the arts or music. Everybody in a family, they all sing on pitch, and, and we don't have any idea how Eli sings on pitch and plays anything because we're not musical at all. We didn't get that gene. Apparently, it skipped us, but it showed up in his gene, and we get that these things, some families are athletic in nature. Everybody in the whole house is athletic, and you know they're into sports, and some families have a little bit of everything, and that, that has been passed down, but we, we all understand that we are who we are because of genetics. I'm going to take it a step further. We are who we are um, because of when we are. How many know when we were born matters? I was born in 1977. I just gave my age away. Uh, and the number one song was a song by the Bee Gees. Um, and I mention that because every generation hears and moves through the world differently. Uh, If you'll notice that anytime music changes, the older generation says, uh, that ain't music. When when the Beatles came out, uh, the older generation said, that ain't music, you know. They, they were against it. And any time that, that music changes, you got an older generation that will say, that's not really music. Um, and, and the reason is because we, we see the world based on who we are, but, but also based on when we are. Every generation has a sound. And, and part of who we are is based on when we are. And, and a great example of this is that the children uh, nowadays help the older folk with technology. Anybody feel me right there? Like if the older folk know that if they can't figure it out, just find a teenager, right? And they will help you because of when they were born. So part of who we are and how we are is based on when we are. Different value systems. Uh, we see things um, as important differently depending on who we are and when we are. And I said all that to say that I believe there is a generation coming that is going to usher in a move of God. And part of what robs the emerging generation from moving into the things of God is a different generation talking about how bad things are. How many know we got to stop talking about how bad things are and how bad things are going to get, and we've got to start stepping into faith 
and believing God for the impossible. Jesus said that mustard seed faith can move a mountain. A mountain is anything that that appears to be permanent, like it's not going to move out of the way, but there is a generation rising up in a world filled with violence and racism and uncertainty. There is a generation, generation rising that will have the power to speak to a mountain and it be removed. If you believe that today, give God a praise right there. There is a generation that's going to do that. So when we are born, matters. Um, and when we were born, matters. Um, where we were born, matters. Think about this. We're born in a great nation. We have access to clean water, food, education, all kinds of things. But how many of you understand, not everybody has clean water in the world and food. That, that when, when certain people are born, I mean, I can fight you if you're an enemy. If you're bigger than me, I can, I can get a bunch of people to help me fight you. But how do you fight your geography? How do you fight where you were born? And some people, they're born in a place without clean water, and it affects them. They're born in a place where they don't have access to sanitation and education and all the things that we have. And it gets real quiet when I start preaching like this, because right now I am removing all of your excuses for failing. When you live in a place with good sanitation, education, food, all the things that we have, we got to stop saying, I can't get anywhere. The devil is a liar. See, we're removing our excuses. Everybody doesn't have access to the things that you have access to. And they can't really fight their geography. They're born where they were born. They grow up where they grow up. and, And they can't fight against that. But we have to empower people in this generation so that they don't become victims and dependent on everyone else's benevolence. There has to be a point in your life when you say, I'm tired of depending on everyone's benevolence. I live in a nation where I've got water and food and education and local churches that have the power of God. I can't, I can't keep making excuses for where I'm not. It's not going to go over real well with some people. Your geography in place has something to do with why you are the way you are. People from the north are different than people from the south. Not only are they different, they sound different. Come on, y'all. Y'all, there's the south right there, right? Uh, and and I'm, I'm going somewhere. Here's somebody say, he's going somewhere. Somebody like, what's he preaching on? I'm getting ready to show you. People from the north are different than the south. Pastors from the south will come up here in October and preach here at Bethesda Church and say things like, it's cold. I'm like, it ain't cold, it's October. Come back in February. I'll show you cold. And, and so we, we, we understand that people from the north are different from the south, same way with east coast, west coast. And, and not only that, people from, from the north and south, how many know their accent is even different? And the point I'm making is that language is a locator. Language is a locator. What you say and how you say it tells me where you come from. It doesn't take long for people to recognize where I come from when they hear my accent. Are y'all with me right now? 
They can tell where I come from because of the way that I speak, the way that I sound. We know that people from England have a certain sound. People from Africa have a certain sound. And you know it when you hear it because language is a locator. I'm getting ready to go a little bit deeper. Not only is is language a locator, faith has a language. Faith has a language and faith has a target. Faith has has not only a target, but it has a place. But here's what we miss about faith. Faith has one target. Everybody say, say that. Say, faith has one target. Faith has one target. It has one target, that it might please God. That's Hebrews 11 and 6, in case you're wondering. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's not wrong for you and I to believe God for something, but faith really has one target. The target of my faith is not a house. It's not my bank account. It's not a car. It's not a new pair of shoes. It's not any of that. The target of my faith is that it might please God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all that other stuff will be headed in my direction. Somebody give God a praise right there. Faith has a language and there's one target to my faith. Now let's take it a step further. Faith has a language and faith is connected to a place and God is a God of place. He's a God of place. This is interesting how God will choose things, choose places, choose people, because the truth is God owns everything, but he still chooses certain things. This is where God draws a distinction. I own it all, but I choose places. I choose people. I choose things to make a distinction between one thing and another, God is a God of place. Genesis 1-9 says, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. This is the concept of order. It is the honoring of a place. Order is putting the right things in the right place. The problem, God said, the problem is the water's everywhere. There's dry land, but it cannot emerge because water is everywhere. And so God put all the water in one place so that the dry land could emerge. God is a God of place. Let's take it a step further. God is so much a God of place that when he planted a garden, he didn't just throw it together. He planted a garden in a specific place, eastward in Eden. He owns the world, but he chose a place. Are you all tracking with me this morning? I, I own it all, but there are certain places that I'm going to choose. There's a certain, certain places that I will put my name there. He owns the whole world, but he chooses a place. And he sets it as a place of order. The garden in, 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 the garden in, in Genesis was an ordered place. It was not thrown together. God planted it. He chose it. And the Bible takes it even a step further. It says the voice of God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
How many know God can talk to you anywhere? But he chose to speak to them in a specific place. Somebody say the power of place. The power of place. I I can speak to you anywhere, but he was teaching them the concept of honoring the place. To honor the place is to honor the order of God. God owns everything, but he also has a right to choose anything he, he wants to. By the time we get to Noah, if you're still tracking with me, the whole world, the Bible says, is filled with violence. And, and the question becomes, if he had a specific place, he gathered the water into one place so the dry land could emerge. He planted a garden, which was an ordered place. And not only did he plant the garden, he placed them there. He chose the place. And his voice came into that garden in the cool of the day in a specific place. Then how did it end up that the whole world is filled with violence? And the answer to that is that Adam and Eve came to the place where they dishonored their place. They dishonored the ordered place and dishonored the voice of God that came into that garden in the cool of the day and understanding God could talk to them anywhere, God chose a specific place to talk to them. When they dishonored the place, watch this, they lost the place. I'm still in Proverbs 27, by the way. Here's the verse again. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. The understanding is that when you don't honor the place, you sacrifice your future. It's in a nest that a bird will lay its eggs. And if the bird wanders from that nest, the eggs, track with me, the next generation Your future, whatever you're trying to give birth to, becomes susceptible to predators. Are y'all tracking with me? Some of you, I know it's the first Sunday of the year, but we're diving in deep. If the the bird wanders away from, from from the nest, the eggs, the next generation, whatever it is that you're trying to give birth to becomes susceptible to predators. And and if you're tracking with me, Adam and Eve dishonored the place and they lost the place, and we arrive where? Cain and Abel. That's where we arrive. Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve left the garden, they left their eggs, Cain and Abel are now susceptible to predators, and by the time you get to Noah, the whole world is filled with violence. Here's what I like, though. Noah built something by faith. He built something by faith. He put his eggs in what he built by faith. There had to be a moment after 40 days of rain, 40 days and 40 nights of rain, where Noah probably started thinking, um, this is our new normal. Because God never told him how long this was going to last. He had no clue how long, like our new normal is, we're going to be living on this boat. But he's living and his future, his eggs, his seed is preserved because of what he built by faith. 
And the Bible says that God remembered. No, this is important. Have you ever felt like God took you? We'll just pretend this is you for a minute. And God took you, and he took you over here somewhere. And he sat you down. He put you there in your place and then forgot about you. Come on, I need some real church people. Have you, have you ever felt like God ordered something for you? He anointed you. He put you there. And you're there. But God forgot about you. Because the Bible says God while Noah was on the boat, God remembered Noah. It's not that God cannot retrieve information. We know that God didn't actually forget Noah, but the Bible says that he remembered. Everybody say remembered. He remembered Noah, but here's the point of that. All God wanted to know was, Noah, are you still in the place that I told you to be? Are you still in the place that, that I called you to be? Because if you're still in the place that I called you to be, then your seed will preserve. Your seed will be preserved. And the Bible says that when it ended, Noah came out, he and his family, and they were the head of all nations. How many know today that God can take a mess and turn it into a message? Now, now I, I'm getting there, and I, I'm going to be vulnerable for just a minute. As God has moved in this house, as God has ministered here at Bethesda Church, and, and I, I, you, I know you're not a pastor, you're not in my world, but you'd be surprised at how many people have said, Pastor Chad, you and Karen should move to a bigger city. Y'all smile at me. Like, it's great what God has done in White Sulphur, but imagine what he could do in New York. Imagine what he could do in a bigger city. Imagine what he could do in the metropolitan place with your gifts and your talents and all those things. Imagine what God could do. But you've got to understand, it's not that God can never move you or call you to a new place, but until he does, how many of you understand, if you're still in the place God has called you to be, I need some help today. Y'all don't want to help. You, you, you can't get past that part of people telling me I ought to move and go to a bigger place. But what I am saying is that when you're in the right place at the right time with the right people under the right anointing, serving the right God, you can touch the world from any place, baby. You can touch the world from White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. It don't make sense, but it's possible. Dr. Lester Summerall was a global apostle, and he did, he touched the world from South Bend, Indiana. And people told him his whole life, you need to move to Chicago, you need to get to New York, you need to get to a city so you can get something accomplished. And he, the global apostle, he said, he said this, he said, the problem with some people is they think because they're great in one place that they'll automatically be great in another. But we serve the God of place. He chooses a place. Are y'all still here? I'm nowhere near done. He chooses a place. And I'm saying that because when, when you begin to dishonor the place God gave you, it's a recipe for disaster. The reason why churches struggle to reach their community is because they don't love their community. They're always trying to leave where God told them to be. When we dishonor the place God placed us and put us, 
Again, it doesn't mean that God can never move you or assign you to another place. But I, let's, y'all got to get past Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen. But what about all the church people that show up at a new church every year? Continually dishonoring the previous church. Oh, I've, I've hit something now. They go from church to church to church, never growing, never accomplishing what God has put it in them to do, all because they're dishonoring the place God told them to be. You don't choose where you go to church, baby. We're just church shopping. Stop shopping and go where the Holy Ghost told you to go. And listen, he don't change his mind every week. If he told you to be there, be there. Just because your feelings got hurt don't mean you go to another church and say the Holy Ghost said. Holy Ghost didn't tell you nothing. You decided. I didn't plan on any of this. This this is free, baby. It didn't cost you a thing. He's a God of place. He's a God of place. Part of the reason why we have influence in this community is because God placed us here. He placed us here. And if God places you somewhere, and God puts you somewhere, then there's great things in store for you. And you got to be careful not to dishonor the place God has given you. And, And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give this to you in a Sunday morning. I could probably take a series on this. Faith works where the will of God is known. It's hard to activate my faith when I don't know the will of God. If I don't know where God has put me, if I don't know where God has planted me, if I, if I don't know my place, it's hard for me to activate my faith. But faith works where the will of God is known. And if, if, if faith works where the will of God is known, it doesn't matter if I live in a single wide trailer or I, I, own, I own my own tower. If you will attach the faith in your heart to the place God gives you, you can do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or imagine in whatever place God has put you. Somebody give God praise right there. It don't matter. Over time, my role and PK's role has changed. We don't pastor this church in 2022 the same way we did in 2007. Our role has changed, but the place is still the place. Our roles shift, but the place, it's kind of like your marriage. Your marriage is, is your marriage. It's, it's a place God has promised to bless, but how many know you don't say after 30 years of marriage, well, we did that, now we're done. And walk away. Your roles may change, but it's still the same place. Your role as a parent changes as your kids get older. I don't parent Elijah at age 14 and 15 the same way I did when he was two. Some of you are grandparents now, and you've learned the lesson. Now you know why people have kids when they're young. I'm 44, and my six-year-old wears me out. Are y'all tracking? And so your role changes over time. Um, 
And, but the thing we have to understand is that we got to, even when our roles change, we still got to know our place. And I've said all of that because it brings me to the concept of the house of God. Everybody say the house of God. That is common language for us, but where, where did the, the phrase, where did the idea of house of God come from? I mean, where do we get this concept? We, we know in Scripture, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. We know in the New Testament, Jesus said, and I love what Jesus said, he walked up in the church one day and he said, my house. I like how he said, anybody else like how he said that? My house shall be called a house of prayer. And so we have this, this language or concept of the house of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, it says, The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this place. Everybody say, this place. I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. God owns all the houses, but there are times God chooses one. He's a God of place. There's power in a place. I own all the places, but I also have the authority to choose a place. A place that I'll attach my name to. Go a little bit deeper if you look at the life of Abraham in Genesis 12.1. It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, watch this, get out of your country. You're in the wrong place, Abraham. Away from your family and away from your father's house. You're, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong house. And he says, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. We read that, but we forget that Abraham is the father of the faith. But he was alive at the same time of the destruction of Babel. Y'all remember the tower when people said, we're going to make ourselves great. We're going to make our own name great. We're going to build a tower from the earth that reaches into the heavens. And, and we, we know that God destroyed that, confused their languages and all that stuff. And, and the thing that God was trying to teach people is it's never been about getting the earth into heaven It's always been about you building something in earth so I can get heaven into the earth. So many of us, are our whole theology is about getting to heaven. If God wanted you in heaven, baby, he would have created you there. You're on the earth because his intent has always been that heaven invade the earth. And I'm going to announce to this house and this region that in 2022, baby, we're not just trying to get out of the earth into the heaven, but we're trying to bring heaven into the earth. For this to happen, though, you've got to be in the right place, the right place. 
In Genesis 13, it, a little bit deeper, Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot was with him. To the south, Abram, and, and it says Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, watch this, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. There's power in a place. Abraham has multiplied. He's now rich with silver and gold. And we know the story of Abraham and Lot. They're traveling together. But Lot decides that I don't want to be with Abraham anymore. And you got to watch this man of faith, Abraham. Abraham tells Lot, he says, um, since you don't want to do this together, you go ahead and choose which direction you want to go. And whatever direction you choose, I'll go the opposite way. And Lot is so silly that all he can see is the twin cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. And all the, you know, it's a big metropolitan area. It's a great location. And man, I'd love to raise my family because that's a big city and it's got everything all ever. Abraham's like, you choose whatever way you want to go and whatever way you choose, I'll go the opposite way because God's about to show me a place that I don't even know about. See, we, we get so caught up in what we can see with the natural eyes that we miss what God is trying to give us with spiritual eyes. This, this was so important in Abraham's life that in Genesis 22, he continues, it says, this is when he offered up Isaac. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him. Isaac, his son, he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to, everybody say it, the place. Now let me just, for, for emphasis here, not any place, he went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. So they went to the place, not any place, but the place that God had chosen. And the Lord, if you know the story, he takes Isaac up on the mountain and instead of sacrificing, sacrificing Isaac, the Lord sends a ram up on the other side of the mountain. And so instead of Isaac being sacrificed, God provided a lamb. And what did Abraham do? He named that place. There's power in a place. He named that place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Because there's power in a place. The difference between a space and a place is something happening. When something happens, it moves from being a space to becoming a place. Jesus got up every morning and went to the place of prayer. Something happened there. It was not just a space, but it was a place that was powerful. How many of you understand that when something happens in a place that is either intense or sustained over time, you can kind of, it kind of gets into the soil of that place. It gets into the atmosphere of that place. If you visit a place where there was a lot of bloodshed, you can go there and sometimes you can feel like what happened there because it was intense. It was sustained over 
over time. There are times I walk into the B Kids Sanctuary where we did church all those years, and sometimes I'll just walk in there, and without even praying or anything, I'll sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's not just a space. That was a place that God chose, and lives were changed. There is power in a place. There's power in a place. The residue of the anointing can still be in certain places where revivals had, have broken out and people will go and experience God because it's not just a space, but a place that God said, I have chosen it. I have put my name there. And if you get into the right place at the right time, God can show you something. Abraham did not have a teacher Abraham did not have a father to show him, but God put his blessing and tied it to a place. Some of us need to understand that ram is not coming to your house. That ram that showed up, it showed up in the right place. Abraham would have missed the blessing of the ram and knowing God as Jehovah Jireh had he not showed up in the right place. There's power in a place. But we've, we've, come, we've become so accustomed to dishonoring places that God has chosen. I wonder how many miracles we have missed. I wonder how many blessings we have missed. Because your spouse, your money, your children, your life will all go further when you're in the right place. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Can y'all give me a few more minutes? Jacob in Genesis chapter 28, I've read this verse many times, starting in verse 10. It says, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Because we got Abraham, Isaac, now we got Jacob. So he came to a certain place. And he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. How many of you are seeing the place is pretty important? The place is really important. Well, Pastor, God can talk to me anywhere. I get it. He can talk to you anywhere. But there's still power in a place. He dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I'm going to bring you back to this place. No matter where you go, I'll bring you back to this place, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So we, we see in the story there's a certain place. He stayed there all night. 
he took a stone from that place and he laid down and the Bible says he dreamed a dream and he said, surely the Lord was in this place, but I did not recognize it. How many know that's what waking up means? That, that's what waking up means. He was in a physical sleep, but much like the church in this generation, they are in a spiritual sleep, but he was in a certain place, and in that place, he woke up to the fact that God was in the place, but he did not recognize it. But when he did, he said, how awesome is this place? I just wonder if anybody would love for the Holy Spirit to give you a glimpse today that God is in this place. How awesome is this place. Why? Not because we're here, but because he's here. There's power in a place. So I'm, I'm trying to help us understand that God's house and, and the phrase of going to the Lord's house, David saying, I was glad when they said, let's go into the house of God. Jesus said, my house. When God chooses a place, and then places you there, that place becomes the gateway to heaven. And it's not to get you from here to there. It's to get what's there into your earth. Jacob could not even recognize it at first. But he had a revelation and, and I, some of you are struggling right now because you can't get past. Pastor, God can talk to me any place. I know that, but it's disrespectful to God when you dishonor the place he gave you. Some things will only happen for you when you're in the right place at the right time with the right people. Jacob vowed a vow after that, and this is important because he said, it's important that he vowed this vow because basically what Jacob did after he had this glimpse of, of God and the house of God and this gate and the gate of, of, of heaven and this ladder and angels, you know, ascending and descending, he makes this vow to God of, God, if I go over here, will you bring me back? God, if I go do this with my life, will you bring me back? He's, he starts having this conversation with God. And it's important because you can't live here in this place. Track with me. You can't live at the church. You have to go home. And you got to pick up your kids on your way home. You can't live here, all right? But, but watch this. Jacob is saying, in all the places I go, if God will, will go with me from this place to all the other places I go and bring me back again to this place, and the question, why do I got to keep coming back to this place. God can do it anywhere. God can talk to me anywhere. But God has chosen a place. He has put his name on it as the house of God. It's the place where my tithe goes. It's the place where my sacrifice goes. It's the place where prayers are offered up. And God said, I have chosen to put my name there. And there's something different about that house that you can go to your house, to the workhouse, to the schoolhouse, but I will bring you back to my house because that place is powerful and significant to your life. There's power in a place. God does not meet me at the same level in every place I go. 
If you look at Eden, we looked at the Garden of Eden. We looked at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon. We, we read out of Second Chronicles, Jesus. God says, I've chosen to put my name there. See, we got to get past thinking that we are people of faith when we don't have a place that we've planted. I'm going to let that sink in, and I'm not in a hurry. If the next service comes in, so be it. I'm going to get this out. we got to stop acting like sheep when we don't have a shepherd. Some people will not plant. Some people will not put roots down. Some people say they love Jesus but have nothing to do with his bride. When we dishonor the sacred places God has given us, we're forfeiting our future. Who you are connected to and being in the right place at the right time with the right people is important. I know a lot of people float through life and they just land from here to there to the next place, but God has chosen a place for you. God has chosen a place for you. We all have places that we go. We have to go to work. We have to go to school. we got to go to all those other places. But God said, I want you to come back to the place I have chosen because I do, I do things there on a level that I don't do in all those other places you visit. Because this is the place where prayers are offered. It's the place where sacrifices are made. It's the place where the word of God is given. Worship team, you guys can begin playing. This is how faith works. When you're in the right place, do you know the right people will be there? The resources will be there? Everything you need will be there when you're in the right place. I think that we have to honor the places. I, I, I hate to even mention this because I never want to sound. I, guess, I don't want to ever come across as prideful, so I have a hard time talking about it. What God has done here at Bethesda Church, if you can't tell God chose this place and put his name there, you need to wake up, baby. You need to wake up. If you can't see a distinction of what God has done on this house in a town this small, and you can't recognize, like Jacob couldn't recognize it, and God was like, I'm going to have to show you, brother. This is a, a place unlike any other. And it doesn't mean we're better than, a, how many, we need all churches to be who God's called them to be. Like, I'm not against any, I'm not throwing rocks. We need quiet churches. That, that helps some people. But I, I've said all that to say this, and, and I need you to stand as I get ready to say this, because I want to say it with a little bit of authority. If, if we want our land to be healed, and if we want our communities to be radically changed, and we want to experience a move of God, then we've got to honor the place, and that's a long way of saying that what America needs is some Holy Spirit churches that are radical, that are not afraid to jump up and down, that are not afraid to talk about being fire baptized and speaking in tongues and laying hands on the sick and watching them recover. Why? Because God said, I have put my name on this house. I put my name there.
I got to quit. I got more, but I got to quit. I want you today, those, those prayer cards, a couple things I want to do, those covenant cards, if you want to pull those out, if you didn't get one out from under your chair, I want to give you some direction with that. Prayer team and staff, if you would, go ahead and get in place. The prayer team, we're going to pray for people during the last song. We're going to do it out on the sides because I want the altar area open, like the, the platform area, because I'm going to allow you to sign your covenant, what fast you're choosing, and you're going to spend 15 minutes a day in the Word, 15 minutes a day in prayer. You're going to sign it, and you're going to say, I'm in for 10 days. And, and all I'm going to ask you to do is just, as you sign it, you're going to come, and you're going to, it's just an act of faith. How many know sometimes we just need an act of faith? I'm, I'm signing my name. I'm, I'm joining 10 days. I'm all in. I'm going to do a Daniel fact. I'm going to do a complete, whatever it is. You're going to bring it. You're going to put it on the altar during the last song. That's all I'm asking you to do for 10 days. We can do it by section. I don't need anybody to, like, help you. We'll start with this section over here during the last song. You guys go first. You can bring your covenants up. When they finish, you guys can come. You guys are smart people. You get how that works, right? That way we're not all coming at the same time. But I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Close your eyes. No one looking around because I know that there are probably people in this place and even those that are watching online and you would say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship with Jesus, but I want to be. I don't want to be in sin. I don't want to be, I don't want to live my life without Jesus at the center. It's a new year. It's an opportunity for you to place priority on your relationship with God. If, if you're in-house and you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make some things right with God today. I want to give my life to Him. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are, long enough for me to see it. If you're in-house today, just raise that hand, anyone at all. If you're watching online, we want to pray with you as well. Anyone at all, you say, that's me, Pastor. All you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Worship team's going to move into place, and they're going to lead us in this last song. And I, I, my prayer is that we understand the power of this place. And by coming into agreement with everyone who, who calls this place home, I believe that there are going to be some open heavens over this house and your house in 2022. And we're going to see God do some things that we have never seen before. How many are in agreement with that? Worship team, come and lead us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.